welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. Fostering a sense of inclusion is of growing importance for any meeting or convention today. And key to accomplishing that is the selection of a destination. A city that creates a sense of welcome to attendees of a wide range of experiences and backgrounds can make the difference between an engaging, well-attended event and one that gets skipped. But what makes a destination inclusive? And how can planners work with the CVB, venue, and other partners to ensure their event warmly welcomes all types of visitors? We spoke with a pair of experts to find out. But first, this episode is brought to you by Visit Seattle. In Seattle, a self-proclaimed city of inclusion, attendees can expect to feel seen, valued, and accepted for being exactly who they are. This cultural underpinning makes Seattle a tremendously open place and promises to inspire experiences of belonging at your next meeting. Learn more about placing your meeting in Seattle at visitseattle.org backslash meetings. There's talks about diversity and inclusion, but what inclusion does is it takes it a step past diversity and it really encourages participation through the environment that you're creating and creating opportunities for individuals, in this case, meeting attendees, to be inclusive within your destination. That's Sarah Solomon Dowden, president and CEO of Solomon Productions, focused on video content and marketing for organizations in the events industry. She also serves as co-chair of MPI's Women's Advisory Board and president-elect for MPI Greater Orlando Chapter. And I think where it starts is looking at destinations that understand how to empathize with humanity and don't just speak to one group of people. I'm starting to notice more and more in as soon as I land at an airport, right, in a given destination, what does their signage look like? What is their their language that they're using to welcome people to their destination? What is the language sound like, look like? What are their, the visuals from a marketing perspective look like? And I, it's not just within the destination, but it's also how the destination is leveraging digital marketing, social media to ensure that they're communicating in an inclusive way year round and not just, you know, when you land within that destination at their airport or at their convention center or what have you. They really walk the walk year round. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's about how you make people feel. So when we talk about destinations being inclusive, how are you making attendees feel as soon as they land and step off the airplane into your airport? Uh, and that's really the main question that I personally think destinations need to be asking themselves. How are you making individuals feel regardless of gender, um, ethnic background, economic status, you know, you name it. For a meeting planner, is there selecting a destination? What might they overlook or what, what kind of questions should they be asking? I think the first thing to do is to ask the destination or CVB that you're collaborating with if they have someone on their team that focuses on this conversation around diversity and inclusion. Many organizations in today's world have just that, right? So these are the individuals that go out and survey 
their communities to see what kind of women-owned businesses or LGBTQ communities or people with disabilities, what those communities look like within their destination, and then how we can really incorporate some of that destination into the meeting. Maybe it's working with the CVB to determine, okay, so we are interested in creating a more inclusive experience. Who from your community can offer this type of education? You know, who can we bring in from your community to speak at our events or to keynote our annual meeting and what have you? So that to me would be the the first place to start. The CVBs are professionals in within their destination. So really looking to them to answer a lot of these questions around inclusivity is a great place to start. The same way that we've done a really good job at paying attention to allergies and diet restrictions when it comes to planning our meetings is the same way that we should approach being inclusive. And I think that's a collaborative effort, right? So when you're working with a venue, you're looking at food and beverage. Well, that's a collaborative effort between said venue or said catering company with the meeting planner. It's the same kind of partnership that should be represented when it comes to creating an inclusive experience for your attendees working hand in hand with destinations. I'll give you an example. You know, we've done a good job at creating receptions for all of these pockets of communities within an event, right? So you've got, nowadays you've got a reception for LGBTQ communities. You have a reception for minorities. You have a reception for women. And I know this firsthand as the co-chair for the MPI Women's Advisory Board, we've done a good job at really kind of creating these groups where I'll use myself as an example. I would attend the MPI Women's Advisory Group reception because I'm a woman in this industry and that would speak to me. But how is our language around marketing our reception open to, let's say, a 60-year-old African-American male? So yes, it's important to have these receptions that speak to underrepresented groups within a larger umbrella of a conference, but it's still very much important for meeting organizers to look at that language and ensure that everyone is welcome to attend these receptions that are taking place, right? So I should be comfortable attending the reception for the LGBTQ community, even though I don't necessarily identify with that community. I want to learn about them. I want to be part of their world. Especially if you have a really big convention, you've got thousands, tens of thousands of people to be able to say this particular community is valued and we want to include you and celebrate together and, and get you to, you know, you might want to network with, with others in that community, but also balancing that where you're not excluding those who maybe aren't a member of the community and would still get value out of being part of that. Yeah. And it's also about being transparent, Alex. I mean, I think a lot of times there's many meeting organizers that are doing all of these great things and and creating an inclusive experience, but we don't necessarily hear about it. So I think it's about sharing, not just you know within our meeting planning community, but even with your attendees, how your organization is working towards a more inclusive environment, not only at our meetings, but throughout the year. So it's really communicating that on a stage where you have the attention of 
your delegates or you have more eyes and ears paying attention to your message should not be something that we do kind of under the radar and hope that people notice. We should be talking about it. We should be celebrating how inclusive we are as a community, as a society. So that's that's another area that I think we're not doing a great job in is, is let's talk about it. Let's talk about the importance of it. How can planners leverage the marketing maybe pre-event or post that in, in a way that also encourages that kind of in- inclusivity uh, and whether that's spotlighting the city itself for, for being an inclusive place or the, the attendees and, and making them feel welcome? Getting your planning team, and this could you know, involve the destination and all of the other stakeholders that it takes to plan a meeting. And using your imagination to depict what a certain person looks like to you. So I'll give you an example. This article talked about this planning team that was told, okay, on paper, I want you to draw what a strong woman looks like to you and actually draw this out, right? So what they found was the results were so different. What a strong woman looked like to one person was a businesswoman, then to the next person, it was an athlete. And then to the other person, it was a stay-at-home mom, so on and so forth. So I think what that exercise does is it gives you as a planner, I guess it just paints a better picture of what your stakeholders think when they think strong woman. So what that does is it then allows you to be able to market your event a little bit clearer, knowing that it's going to resonate differently with with all of your attendees, right? So maybe it's not necessarily about using these trigger words or these power words that could trigger narrow-minded thinking, but it's about using imagery. So in this case, let's say we were talking about a a women's conference, you know, maybe in your signage, you've got the businesswoman, you've got the stay-at-home mom, and you've got the athlete all represented on one signage. That way, if I'm a stay-at-home mom, I don't feel like this conference is for a businesswoman only. Figure out you know, what these power words mean to all of us and then be able to implement that into our marketing for events. When it comes to leveraging a destination or, or designing a meeting agenda, ensuring all attendees feel welcome, do you have any particular best practices or examples of, of how to do that well? You know, I think about an example that that I witnessed at the actually it was in New Orleans at the convention center there and convention center has implemented gender neutral signage on all of the restrooms. And that was my first time actually seeing that at a venue, creating these environments that are not gatekeepers for any particular group of people, I think is a very, very important part of for for destinations in particular, to really start thinking about, again, how they're empathizing with people. Another example that I've actually experienced as a woman is furniture. Women were at a conference, a lot of us are in skirts or dresses or whatever. And what I've noticed is at a lot of even panel discussions, um, there are stools rather than, you know, lower chairs. Well, that's not very inclusive for women, right? Women in skirts, women in dresses, it's uncomfortable. And that's kind of a misstep in the organizing process because, yes, the stools may look good, right? But they're not comfortable for women in particular who are dressed in uh, business attire, but not necessarily in slacks. So 
that's, you know, another area where I think we can do a better job at thinking about every single individual and not just what looks good, but what is actually going to be comfortable for our attendees, for our speakers. You have to really walk through it mentally and say, who would, is this going to be comfortable? Is this going to be welcoming to all attendees? And obviously something like that could be a, you know, major misstep if not. Exactly. And, and that's a great point that you made, you know, the walkthrough. So as you're doing these site visits, um, and working collaboratively with the destination, put yourself in shoes outside of your own, right? Put yourself in the shoes of someone who's in a wheelchair. Is this going to be a comfortable experience for my attendee that is in a wheelchair to access the buffet station? Is And that's not something that you have to do on your own. That's something that you collaborate with your destination partner. Maybe we just have a, a couple minutes left. Maybe you can talk about uh, your work with the Women's Advisory Council and where organizations like that can help in this inclusivity effort industry-wide. I think what's great about groups like the MPI Women's Advisory Board is that we come together and you know it's a group of 20 women or so that are really passionate about women's issues. So for us, of course, we focus on, on women. And we talk about things like the furniture that I mentioned, when we talk about things and experiences that have been uncomfortable for us and ways that we can better communicate that out to, in our case, MPI Global, but beyond that, industry-wide. I think what happens there is that it creates the conversation and that's where change starts, right? We're creating dialogue internally and then we're sharing it externally in hopes to create change in behavior to have an organization like MPI give us the opportunity to create something like the MPI Women's Advisory Board is where it starts. It makes them better. It makes them a more inclusive organization because they put into play the bits of advice that we are able to share with them. We also spoke with Dr. Nicole King-Smith, owner of NK Enterprise Consulting, with years of experience in the hospitality and tourism industry and event planning, who frequently works and speaks on issues of inclusion and tourism. I've worked with different diversity councils throughout my career, and we have that conversation of what inclusiveness means and what it means to different people. What it really boils down to is making sure that whoever your customer, your client is, when they can go and experience that destination, they feel welcomed. They feel as if not only they feel welcomed, but a part of culture exists there. So one thing that we know when we look at an inclusive destination is what kind of experiences do they bring as far as culture and who is your client? So if your client, if you know your client is going to have ADA accommodations, then when you go on your fam trips or when you go interviewing properties that you feel would be a good fit or reaching out to them, it's really knowing the resources that are going to be available to your customers and your clients that you're serving. And when you talk about an inclusive destination, what really stands out is making sure that you have enough variety to serve everyone's needs. And when I say everyone, that varies depending on what type of group you're trying to bring in and what's important to them. Like what is their goal of meeting? What's their goal of bringing them to the destination? 
So as they're making selections between destinations, what sort of factors should they look at to determine inclusivity? Uh, like, would they say, uh, you know, San Francisco is ranked by Yelp as the most inclusive city in the U.S., or uh, Seattle has the highest rate of women-owned businesses in the country at 40%, or how, how do these factors play out? I think that's really important to make sure that it's a part of their culture. It's something that they want to do and that they take pride in serving the different groups that you have coming in. And if it is an LGBT group coming in, that you do have your businesses that may have their flags in the window saying, hey, we, we support you. Like I know down in Ybor City, Tampa, Florida, when they started transforming their downtown area, they started really embracing the LGBTQ community. And you could really see the difference. You could really see the transformation. And their whole culture and art community also transformed through that whole process. Because one thing we also have to understand is we make such a huge economic impact in the tourism industry, the meeting professionals. I mean, it's a billion dollar business. So you're making such a huge economic impact that you're bringing people into an experience. And when you bring them into that experience, we know people even travel back to that area. Some people even relocate to that area. And when you're talking about diversity and inclusiveness, what makes it diverse is when your group comes, can they see themselves being a part of that destination? Can they see their culture being represented and how you talked about history? And not only just the history of the destination, but is it all history? Because sometimes when you don't have a diverse destination, you leave out certain parts of history. So just making sure that the the cultural inclusiveness is also a part of that destination and that it shows through in the businesses, it shows through in the arts and culture community, and it shows through in the hotels, the restaurants, and the attractions with the tour operators. Like you can really have a cultural experience. It's really about this is a, a living part of the destination still, and they really walk the walk when when it comes to uh, making it a welcoming place for those the, the, the those different different voices. You mentioned things like signage, uh, activities, those kind of things. Is there any other ways, maybe in the pre-event marketing, that help? ensure that you're making it clear this is an inclusive destination for attendees? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things you can do outside of the welcoming signage that people use in the airport. And then, of course, once you get to the meeting destination, you have your welcome signage, but also you also put welcome signage in the restaurant. So that's where you really partner with your local CVD or VCD or your local DMO. They're the product knowledge experts selling that destination. So that's where you can rely on them and utilize them as a resource as to, hey, I'm bringing this group in. And these are some of the things that are really important to them. How can we make this a once in a lifetime experience? And because you all know your destination, how can we help embrace that? So maybe uh, you can put like a special itinerary or something together. So you can say, hey, if you have some downtime, here's a couple of places that you definitely want to visit, personalizing the experience for the group. So if you know if you're bringing a, a certain demographic, a generation group, a meeting to that destination, 
get with the CVB or VCB and say, okay, what are some things that they can only experience in your destination that we can incorporate as part of their meeting or when like farm to table is a big trend. So maybe set up a farm to table tour or a foodie tour or something, because a lot of times the meetings are always trying to plan networking events or different events. Well, why not do like a farm to table tasting where you can still network, you can still be together, but you can also get a taste of the local experience. All about personalizing that experience. Now, if you say, if you're going to bring in a group that has ADA accommodations, then you can get with that local VCB and find out what are some best restaurants that they can have a great experience at. Or maybe like part of the trends is really given back to the community. So maybe there's a particular restaurant in that area that only employs or hire people with certain ADA disabilities. So maybe that's one specific restaurant that you'll make sure that your group meets at because it'll give more of a personalized experience as part of the whole reason why you're bringing them together to that particular destination. What are some ways when you're planning an event that you make sure you really understand the group that you're going to be helping create this event for to make sure that these different interests and whether it's demographics or uh, abilities that you're creating an event that's going to speak to them and that this destination can help meet those demands. You sit down with your customer and you kind of find out what they need, but you also kind of use your planning for an association, use the president of the association to get a feel for what are some of their expectations more about the experience and what has happened in the past and what have attendees said. Social media allows us an opportunity to see what other people are saying or what they've said, and you can get a grasp of how people feel or have felt in the past. Also looking at like past surveys, what have people said in the past? And then pre-event surveys to also get a, a pulse on what the attendees are experiencing. Because a lot of times what tends to happen is you're so focused on trying to logistically get everything going that sometimes the experience that happens, like for example, if a conference, I just recently heard feedback said it was a great conference. It had over 30,000 attendees, but they're looking to expand it out more. The downside to that was they were like, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to walk to all the conference sessions. Like The bigger it is, the harder it's going to be for me to be able to keep up with everything and keep up with the networking. So I think you also want to balance that event or that group and make sure that you're keeping it where people can still engage with each other. Because it's not just about bringing them together for a group, but it really is about that experience. And the reason why I keep saying it's really about that experience is because a lot of times where the disconnect is, is in the customer service. And not only the customer service or the customer experience in being able to supply your main customer, but the event attendees. Like when they walk up and ask questions, what kind of responses do they get? If they do want to enjoy some time in the destination, are people willing to help them? Are people willing to go above and beyond? Or is it just a, oh, go down the street or go back to your hotel and, and somebody there will be able to help you? And then also just making sure that you are seeking vendors and venues that really help give back to the community as well, because that really is making a difference. It's, that's one of the trends, especially one of the generational trends 
that I'm seeing within the industry right now is generationally, the next generation is really big on giving back to communities, green efforts, and also making sure that you create a a one-of-a-kind experience. How has the concept of inclusivity evolved? What things maybe should be on planners' radar that maybe they didn't need to worry about just a couple of years ago? I mean, when you even look at the top destinations for meetings and the ones that they list, what you tend to see is they have a, a variety of things to do to serve all different kinds of people. Like no matter if you're if you're bringing a family in, if you're a CEO executive, if you're LGBTQ, if you're ADA, like what you find is in your top destinations, you have something. I kind of call it like the buffet of tourism. You just have everything that you need, and then people can pick and choose and personalize what's for them. Generation Z, which is coming behind millennials, is actually going to be the most diverse generation that has ever existed. So for them, the expectations are just going to kind of already be there. So if it's not in place, then they're probably going to start demanding it to make sure that we, we can all have a place that we want to work, live, and play, and enjoy and have a great positive experience. This episode is brought to you by Visit Seattle, a city of inclusion that has signed a welcoming cities resolution. Seattle is also a founding member of the MPI Women's Advisory Board and the PCMA Ascent Program, which promotes inclusion and diversity across the business events industry. Learn more about the city and its inclusive offerings at visitseattle.org backslash meetings.